0: This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. Do you consider yourself to be a buy and hold value investor? Or do you want to be a buy and hold investor, but don't know where to start? It's not easy to be a buy and hold investor. In fact, it's probably one of the toughest types of investors to be because it kind of calls for you to go against human nature. I know most of us, you know, we're looking for the quick payout. That's why we like lottery tickets, right? I want to get to be a millionaire overnight and buy and hold really isn't. It's slow and slogging. There's nothing instant about it and you may not know if it's really working for a decade or maybe two decades or even more. So there's also various types of the buy and hold investors. There's the value buy and hold investors, which is what we're concerned about. And that is maybe even the most challenging of the buy and hold investors, because those value buyers aren't buying a stock that the stock market likes. (laughs) You know how it is. We're normally buying stocks that everyone dislikes for some reason or is out of favor. So if you're a growth buy and hold investor, you're basically buying, you know, the Fang, you're buying Amazon, you're buying NVIDIA. How hard is it to buy those right now? I own some of them. It wasn't that difficult to buy them because everyone in them. you know, the sentiment is on our side. Those stocks confirm that it's fine to be buying in and, oh, of course it's fine to hold them for years. Why wouldn't I? You know, you'd have to be a fool not to own Amazon for five years or Netflix or any of the Fangs, right? Like that's the sentiment that makes buying and holding on those stocks really easy, but that's not true of value investors. I mean, think of the one who bought J.C. Penny a year ago. I know I've talked about it on this podcast before as one of the stocks. So you could have bought that a year ago. Eh, are you doing all that good? No. Um, that would be kind of demoralizing, right? Or what if you're thinking about buying a, a stock like GE, which I have talked about as being a value trap right now, but I know some people are eyeing it. So let's say you buy GE. We don't know what it's going to do, but it's, really hard to be a buyer and you have to have a lot of guts and have a strong stomach to go in there. And then to not just trade it like in a quick kind of trade, like a turnaround trade, but to say, I'm going to own this for five or 10 years or longer, um, that takes a lot of guts. So what are the strategies of these great buy and hold investors, the ones we read about in the newspapers? You know, we see the stories about them every once in a while and I'm not talking about Warren Buffett here. He's a professional buy and hold investor. He said, you know, the only time that he would sell a stock is never and all of that, all of his little phrases. He's owned some of his holdings for decades now, including Coca-Cola. There's been ones he sold quickly, like IBM. He didn't stick around in that very long, but other ones he's held for a long, long time. But he's a professional. I'm talking about the regular investor like you and me who, you know, we want to put some money into stocks and these people have put it in and then they've left it in there. I know I've talked about a couple of these, and one of them I called one of the greatest buy-and-hold investors of all time. We discussed him in a 2017 podcast, and I'm just going to recap a little bit about what his story was. So his name is Russ Grimmel, and he's still alive. He was 98 last year, and um, I don't know if he's turned 99, but he's got to be getting close. So... He invested $1,000 in Walgreens stock about 70 years ago. So Walgreens is a local company. Mr. Grimmel is born and raised in Chicago. He still lives here. And so he was deciding what to do with this money 70 years ago. And apparently he told the press that his brother told him that all people will always need medicine and women will always need cosmetics. And his brother suggested he buy one of the pharmacy companies. So Walgreens, local company, is what he decided on. So he put the $1,000 in there. He hasn't done anything except reinvest those dividends. And now 70 years later... It was worth $2 million and he donated it to the Audubon Society of Illinois and it bought some land in his name that it was eyeing. So, this is a nice little story, but obviously he was able to stick in there for 70 years. But I found another example recently and this one is from across the pond. Um, This man's name was Graham Pincock. And he recently died at age 90. He died in 2017 as well. Although again, Mr. Gramella is still alive. He's still with us. But he was a Scotsman who worked as a modern languages school teacher for his career. So nothing, you know, crazy glamorous about that job or the pay for that job. And according to the Daily Mail newspaper, he lived in what they describe as a modest 400,000 pound semi-detached home in Glasgow for many years. And then he was in senior care by the time he died. But apparently his neighbors were stunned, according to the mail, of course, this is the mail (laughs) saying this story, but they were stunned to find out when they filed his will that he left an estate worth just a little over 7 million pounds, which in today's U.S. dollars with today's conversion is 9.8 million. So nearly $10 million is what he left. And they had a list of what he had invested in. So apparently he had pretty extensive stock portfolio, of course. So he was, it sounds like, a buy and hold investor, Over many years, we don't know the number of years, but he died at 90, so I'm assuming it was quite a long time. So he died with 101,000 shares of beverage giant Diageo, and those were valued at 2.3 million pounds, just that one holding. And then he had 216,000 pounds of AstraZeneca, one of the big pharmaceuticals, and he had 40,000 pounds of GlaxoSmithKline, also in the medical area. So he had a lot of these big cap multinational companies, and it sounds like he held those. So when he died, he gave some of this money to various war veteran charities because he left it all in a trust. He had no children, apparently. And he didn't want to leave it apparently to anyone else. And he also left it to help those with illnesses, particularly cancer. So this money's going to cancer care. But again, he was a school teacher, and that's it. So this is another really good example of what buy and hold can do for investors if you're able to do it, if you're able to hold on all those years. So what are some of the strategies we can glean from just these two examples of buy and hold investing, which are the success stories, obviously? Well, the first strategy, and I know I talked about this the last time I did a buy and hold podcast is to start young. So Mr. Grimel, we know, had stayed invested for 70 years. So he might have been in his late, mid to late 20s when he put that money into Walgreens. So obviously the earlier you start, the longer you have to compound the money and to get those dividends and to compound it year after year after year. And compounding is really the magical formula. Warren Buffett and other value investors have talked about the magic of compounding. And it really does work, but you do have to start young. Now, obviously, not everybody has some extra cash sitting around in their 20s to just put it in something and let it sit there. So my advice always is it's never too late. What if Mr. Grimmell had started at age 50 and now he's 98? Well, he still would have had 50 years of investing time. So it's never too late, but the earlier you start, the better. The second strategy that I really do recommend is to diversify. So I first said when I talked about Mr. Grimmell that I felt like his his investing strategy was way too dangerous. As far as we know, he only had this one stock. Maybe he has others that he just didn't talk to the media about. Well, I don't know. But it's very, very dangerous to just buy one company like he did in the Walgreens because he basically just got lucky with Walgreens. It is a solid company. It's still with us. It's still paying the dividend. But he could have bought Bear Stearns, for instance, or Wachovia because You know, he lived in an area with Wachovia Banks or something, or his brother told him to buy a bank instead because, you know, everyone needs banking. But if you just buy the one, that's really kind of rolling the dice. So he got lucky, but you may not. Mr. Pincock, on the other hand, seemed to have numerous holdings. I only know three based on what the media said, but they said he had an extensive stock portfolio. So he probably had more than those three. And so, if something were to happen with one of the companies, if one of them is a Lehman or a Bear Stearns and it goes bankrupt, it wouldn't have wiped him out completely. He had other holdings there, and that's really what you should be doing. So, diversify if you're going to buy and hold, don't just buy one. Don't just buy like three. You know, some analysts have said, some financial advisors, that you need at least 10 to be diverse. Some have said it's as high as 20, that 20 will give you diversity, but should maybe have at least 10. And then a third strategy really is kind of obvious, but most people don't think about this, is don't get fancy. You don't need the latest fad or crazed stock. You don't need to be in blockchain, for instance, even though I like a lot of the blockchain trades. But, you know, what these guys bought in were pharmacies, again, wine and spirits, drugs, cosmetics, entertainment. What is everyone using? Those seem to be the kind of companies that, um, you know, will stand the test of time kind of companies, basically. They have some moats, they have some good brands. And, you know, they're nothing fancy. So don't think you need to have the latest hot stock or some small little cap company that no one's ever heard of. And that'll get you there. A lot of these companies we've all heard of, they've been around in some cases for 100 years or more. So that's another strategy that buy and hold investors deploy that seems to work. So I took a look around to see if I could find some possible buy and hold stocks. Of course, we need to have some stock examples and choices here of what maybe could be a buy and hold play now. And that's also more on the value side. I looked for value stocks, although I decided to take a look at um, Diageo because Mr. Pincock had been in there and I was curious You know, what did that look like right now? And if you don't know the company, it's food and drink, but it has a lot of really famous brands like Smirnoff, Guinness, Bailey's, Johnny Walker, among others. So that's where you know, it really gets its brands um, right. And it has market cap of 89 billion. So this is a big mega cap. It's trading a little more expensive than most of us at the value side would like, but it's not awful. It has a PE of 20 now. If it pulls back, obviously, I'd be a little more interested, but its PE is 20. It does pay the nice dividend yield 2.6% it's paying right now. Fiscal 2018 expected to see earnings growth of 18%, so still got those double digits. And fiscal 2019, a little bit lower for right now, it's trading, or it's expected to be 7.6%. And this ticker is DEO, Diageo, D-E-O, and international company, obviously, because it is not American. Okay, Myland is my second choice, and this ticker is MYL. They're one of the big drug companies. They have a market cap of $21 billion, and they specifically focus on HIV treatments, so that's part of their big market. This stock is dirt cheap. They're trading at just 7 times, 7.8 times is their P.E., Earnings in 2018 expected to be up 17%, 2019, 8%. Those estimates have been inching up higher, so they're slowly moving higher, which I like. Oh, by the way, most of these, these are all at least one, two, or three rank stocks. I think there might be one or two holds in here, but mostly these are companies with the rising estimates, which we want to see. So mylin ticker MYL, Is another one. There's no dividend on this one though, which is not, I'm not a fan of that if you're buying and holding because I do like to compound that dividend, but it's super cheap. So I included it here. And then the third stock is one I have talked about before on the podcast, but I still like it and it's still cheap Sony ticker SNE. This is another non-American company. So today it's like the international buy and hold portfolio (laughs) or something today. And they trade with a PE of 13 right now. They do pay a little bit of dividend. It's just 0.3, but at least it's something. Market cap is 56 billion. So yeah, they're the big mega cap too. We only have three estimates on Sony because they're an international company. Not as many analysts cover them. But some big growth expected in fiscal 2018 because they're turning it around. So they made 51 cents last fiscal year, expected to make $3.86 this year. So huge, different gain. But next year, fiscal 2019, meh. Analysts aren't too sure what's going to go on there. So they have a slight decline of just 2% in those earnings. But it's basically around flat. You know, I think they're taking a wait-and-see approach. Sony, the reason I do like them, they are on the entertainment side. But they have a lot of technology business, and they're trying to create those sensors for the self-driving cars. They're they're going big into, into the self-driving area. So if this is a way that you can get in cheaply into that, that play. So Sony S-N-E. And then we're going to switch back over to the drug area with the biopharmaceutical AbbVie. This ticker is ABBV. They're huge. They were spun off from Abbott Labs, but they're still huge. 153 billion market cap. This stock has been on fire, up 77% in the last year, but the fundamentals all do support that hotness. Supposed to grow earnings by 33% this year in 2018 and another 15% in 2019, so super strong. P.E., despite the share gains, is still cheap at 15 times. So right there around my cutoff, but that's that's pretty cheap. And dividend, 2.5%. So very nice dividend yield there, too. So if you're looking for, like, a little higher growth drug stock... AbbVie might be one to watch. I know there's a lot of these warning articles out there about it because I saw them about like, oh, is it too hot now? Has it gone up too much? Maybe you shouldn't get in. But just looking at the fundamentals, it's not an expensive stock here. So, again, do your homework on any of these companies. I'm just giving you the bare bones here about, um, you know, PEs and things. But AbbVie, interesting and strong fundamentals right now. Then the fifth stock, I'm going to turn back to Mr. Grimmel's pick, Walgreens. Walgreens Boots, as it's now called, WBA. So they're completing their acquisition of Rite Aid. They're getting about 1,600 stores there. The stock is down off its early 2018 highs. So this could be a buying opportunity, P.E. of just 12. Dividend, it's still paying that dividend, 2.3%. That's pretty solid. And fiscal 2018, earnings growth of 13.5%. Fiscal 2019, still solid at 11.1%. So we'll see if they can do it. A lot of questions here with CVS buying Aetna and now Walgreens getting the Rite Aid and what's going to go on in this industry. But uh, if you're looking for a cheap play, Walgreens pretty cheap here. So remember, some of the strategies to deploy is to buy diverse basket of quality companies, start young, <laughs> if you can, and hold a long, long time. And it does sound simple, doesn't it? Like, oh, how hard can it be? You know, maybe one day I'll be uh, Mr. Grimel or Mr. K- Pincock with my million-dollar portfolio. All I have to do is buy some good quality names and hold them. But It's not so easy in reality, of course. Um, I'm still waiting, too, to hear stories of someone who's bought like the S&P 500 mutual fund or the ETFs. And they've held those, but that's going to be a different generation. It's probably going to be a generation X type of person who bought those very young. And then we'll hear some stories of, oh, they just bought the index at age 28 and now it's worth $5 million or whatever at age 75 or something will come out about them too. But for now, I know everybody likes to buy the stocks. I do too. And it's fun to see them growing and if you buy good quality names, that's what they do. So let's recap those stocks again. So we had Diageo, D-E-O, Myland, M-Y-L, Sony again is S-N-E, AbbVie, A-B-B, V is in Victor. So two Bs and a V is in Victor. And then uh, Walgreens Boots, W-B-A there. So as always, I like to bring you all the value stocks and I'll keep doing that because they're still out there as we've seen. I didn't have a hard time finding some of these big cap value stocks with uh, pretty good Zach's ranks. So be sure to subscribe at um, Apple Podcasts to get the Value Investor Podcast. That's where we are. And you can also get us on SoundCloud, but we're mixed in with the Market Edge. So you get two for one again over there on SoundCloud, Market Edge and the Value Investor Podcast under the Market Edge name but be sure to subscribe as I said so you don't miss a single episode and I'll see you again next time